Hi, I'm Elaine Boddy. And I'm David Treadway. And welcome to the first of two festive editions of the Food Bod Pod. It's a lush Irish Christmas with Matthew's Cotswold Flower. Here we are again. Nice to be back. Before we start talking about this episode, uh, thank you to everybody who listened to our previous episode. And David, have you made your noodles yet? I haven't, um, <laughs> but I, I did. I did see Sophie Carey yesterday at the Cake and Bake Show, and thought to myself, "Right, noodles when I get yes. back." Yes. <laughs> Give them a go, because apparently they're so easy to do. And she says, once you've made them, you'll never buy noodles again. They're just so super, so worth having a go. Well, I, I wait to see. I wait to see your attempt, David. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's get on to today's episode because we've got a real festive treat for everyone. In fact, the first of our two special festive editions for Christmas 2023. I say 2023 in case you're listening to this in August 2024. Indeed. So we have got some real treats coming up for you over the course of these next two episodes. We recorded these in one of our favourite kitchens belonging to one of our favourite home cooks, Cherie Denham. Cherie has featured on the podcast several times already and as many of you will know has a huge Instagram following at Cherie Denham Cooks. And Cherie was joined in her kitchen this time not only by us but also by Tracy Toner who'll be welcome to the podcast for the first time. Sourdough was the thing that brought all three of us together in the first place. And this is how we've all become friends, firm friends through Instagram, through our baking. And Cherie and Tracy both actually hail from Northern Ireland, where Tracy still lives and where she runs her business, the Lush Larder, which is artisan handmade jams and chutneys. And she also has her own following on Instagram. And those are products that you and I know very well, Elaine, don't we? Because um, when we have our production meetings and recording sessions, we usually end up demolishing uh, at least one jar of Trace's chutney with some of your sourdough and some cheese. <laughs> and it's always fabulous and delicious. I think they are among, if not the best chutneys I've ever tasted. And they've certainly become firm favourites in, in both our households, I think. Oh, absolutely. My my only complaint is that the jars are too small. Yes. <laughs> Very easy to finish one in one sitting. Which we have done on many occasions. And they, they are. And I actually said when we were recording the podcast, I recently tried some chutneys that I bought at Sandringham, especially just to see what they were like. And Tracy's are better. Yeah. They yeah. are. I mean, they, they really are. So we will be talking about that because they are fabulous. And both Tracy and Cherie will be making chutneys for us over the course of the next couple of episodes because they're things that they both make and they both enjoy and both talk about. But they're also making lots of other delicious things to eat and drink at this time of year. The smell and aromas in Cherie's kitchen were just amazing. And she'd already decorated it for Christmas for us, <laughs> considering... We'd recorded it in October yes. <laughs> and it was even before Halloween. It was just lovely. We had so much fun, just the three of us in the kitchen, but also watching Cherie and Tracy move around the kitchen together. You have to keep in mind these are both home cooks, mm. major cooks with yeah. their own kitchens and it's the first time they were ever in the same kitchen working together and they just moved 
perfectly in symphony. It was just amazing. It was it was a symphony, wasn't it? And they were, yeah, it was lovely. Yeah, they just worked so well together. It was great to watch because I was standing back watching everything, and you were right in in amongst it. And it was just amazing to watch the three of you. Oh, we just had so much fun and listening to them talk. They're talking about their memories and their childhoods, their home life, local characters they grew up with in Northern Ireland. We really hope you enjoy this. So let's kick off and let's meet Tracy as she describes the idea behind her business, The Lush Larder. Well, I live in County Armagh in the north of Ireland and it's known as the Orchard County. So whenever I was starting my business um, four years ago, what was very important to me was that everything had to be handmade, it had to be seasonal and it had to support our local growers as much as possible. So being from the Orchard County, the Bramley apple features very highly in most of my products. It's a great cooking apple and it's fantastic for pectin, for making jams, it's fantastic for absorbing the spices in your chutneys and it supports our local growers. It's just such a staple in all of my products. So tell everybody what your products are. My products are jams and chutneys. They're all handmade. My flavours change with the seasons. So whatever I can grow in my own garden plot, whatever I can source locally from our local growers, or even within Ireland, um, the Irish tomatoes, um, Irish rhubarb, I grow some beetroot um, and rhubarb myself, strawberries, tomatoes, but then I source it from our, our local growers whatever, whenever I grow out or whenever I run out of my own stock. Then I, I make that all by hand um, and put it into jams and chutneys. It amazes me when I see your huge pots and what you churn out just on your own. David and I can absolutely recommend Tracy's products. We have tried many. We love them. Thank you. And I didn't know that the Bramley apple was... I, I didn't realise that it was just something special. Oh, it's from, very special. From it's where from you County live. Armagh, yeah. And the, my favourite chutney of yours is your... Armagh apple. Yeah. I have actually dedicated two different... Well, three. I have an Armagh apple jam, I have a Bramley and walnut chutney, and I have an Armagh apple chutney. And that's purely to try and highlight the importance of the Bramley apple within our county. It's, there are three very different flavours. The, the Arma apple jam is a puree jam um, and it has no actual lumps of fruit in it and it has a little cinnamon, nutmeg and clove in it. It's lovely. So it's, it's lovely with your, your cured meat, smoked bacon. It's lovely with porridge, granola. I put it in a lot of things like apple tarts and apple crumble in lieu of sugar. So you get a lovely syrup instead of a real watery, sugary mm. juice coming out of your tarts and crumbles. The Arma apple chutney then is a savoury one. That's one of your favourites. Oh, I've uh, added that yeah. to porridge, I have to say. Yeah, it has a smoked paprika and coriander and that in it. So it's, it's a nice, gently, savoury, savoury one. One of my favourites is the Bramley and walnut because there is a little ginger in it and I like it and I like the crunch of the walnut in it as well but I have to say I did buy some things from you and gift them to David last Christmas oh thank you <laughs> I did because uh, we enjoyed them so much yeah so I know when we first met Cherie and we introduced Cherie to our listeners she was telling us about her upbringing and her childhood and and you know the cooking that she did at home yeah so did you grow up 
learning how to make chutneys and jams in the same way? No, I didn't. I had an aunt who um, was my Aunt Esther, and she would have been more a home cook and would have made jams and fresh bread and things like that. Unfortunately, due to my circumstances, my mum wasn't able to do that because I lost my father at six, and then whenever my mum went out, um, she had to work because I was the eldest of four children at six years old and um, unfortunately she was thrown in the deep end at a very young age, she was 23 and she had to go out to work to support us. So I guess circumstances kind of dictated that my, I, I got involved more in the preparation of foods um, for dinner, you know whenever I came home from school I was prepping dinner for my mum to be able to cook whenever she got home. So that's kind of where my, at a very young age, my involvement in food became very evident and I loved food. It was all very traditional foods then, you know, you'd have been to your, your bacon and cabbage dinner, you know, but it was always your, your meat, your veg and your, your potatoes were a staple. Things like that, that were quick and easy and economical to, to mm. make, but yet you were still getting your nutrition from it, you know. So. Frying your bacon in the pan and then mashing up your turnip and putting it in. And putting it in with pepper, yeah. <laughs> oh, black pepper, black loads pepper, of it. Black pepper, yeah. And even the cabbage. <laughs> oh, oh, yes. And we used to slice the bacon up and we used to then put, throw it through the, the, the cabbage. Yeah. And it was like what they call colcannon today. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's this kind of food. I mean, it's, that the, we would it's have. such an idea of really hearty food. It's very hearty food, very, very hearty food. And then whenever you have that with your potatoes, potatoes is just a god nearly in, in Irish dinners um, because you have so many different varieties. They're seasonal over there. And, you know, your, your Dublin queens or your, your Antrim queens, your, they're so flowery and they just burst up. And we were talking about how to cook potatoes last mm, night. Mm, mm. And we were talking about the different methods we do on the, the aga. And I cook mine completely different to Cherie. I bring it to the boil for 10 minutes, mm -hmm. drain all the water off and put it into the low oven. Yeah, but I wonder if that would work with like potatoes over here. Do you know Because I mean? potatoes at home are very different. They're like yeah. balls of flour. No, they, they, work, they work with every potato. You think? Yeah, even your little baby wax potatoes. Yeah. And mm. loads of butter. Then you, you top it with loads and loads and loads of butter. And you don't even peel them. No. You just put the, the, the spuds go onto the, you onto stick a plate a fork in the middle in. Of, of, the of the table and you just stick a fork in and then you just put your yeah. butter over the top. Over the top. Oh, yeah. I haven't eaten yet. My stomach's <laughs> going. Oh, oh. Yeah. And then when, when you're, do you remember when you used to go on like the Sunday school excursion and things and you'd all be in the big bus and you'd going up towards Port Rush and there'd be signs all along the road, Kelly's, yeah. balls of flour. Balls of flour. Even Is that what they call yeah, the yeah, balls yeah, of flour? Yeah. Oh. And and when because when mummy and um, daddy went on the farm, so the the men say at silage time or hay time that maybe four guys would come around and help daddy on the farm, and they'd literally have their mince and their carrots and whatever on the table, but onto the table went all the plates of spuds, and they'd sit just and peel the this, the the peelings off and just leave these skins whereas I would eat the skins definitely. No, I eat the skins and I'm, I, make my, I make my children eat the skins because that's where the most nutrition is, Absolutely. it's just lying under the, the skin. Oh, yeah. you know? But I tell you what is nice to do is if we make uh, roast potatoes and are therefore peeling the potatoes, mm. what I then do with the skins is just put a light bit of oil on them mm -hmm. and some seasoning. And like a crisp. And, yeah, and put them in the little oven as well. Little smoked paprika yeah, over the top or crisps, something. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You're making a healthy crisp. So you, there's Absolutely. no waste again. And yeah. Uh, yeah. Which leads me on to then, I think it would be so easy for us to just keep on chatting, but I am going to try and get the questions in. I want to ask you, 
So do you have three top tips in your kitchen that you think would be useful for our listeners? Just things that you do that you don't even think about that other people might not necessarily be aware of. Well, kind of what is indoctrined or ingrained into me is to use the, the best local seasonal ingredients. Yep. Because it's so easy to work with. So I try to cook dishes within season in my kitchen. I don't have strawberries at Christmas time because my strawberries have stopped growing. I don't, you know, so I think to get the best of what you're doing in your kitchen is to have seasonal fruits and vegetables and, and cook with them. So that would be my number one. You're yeah. gonna get whatever you put in the pot seasonally, whatever you get from your local grower, you're gonna get the best out of. Yeah. My other one is good food. Tasty food does not have to be complicated. Keep it simple and don't be afraid of experimenting. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. You know, Keep a note of what you, you've done. If it, if it does, goes really well, write it down. Keep a note of it, but never be afraid of trying things. Absolutely. Yeah. And always make a note. Always make a note, yeah. Even if it goes wrong, make a note. Yeah. No, that didn't work. You know, because there's been so many times in the past that I've maybe made a curry or something like that that I said, oh, no, what the heck did I put in? Because I'm, I'm great at saying, oh, okay, I fancy this today and I just kind of add spices yeah. and I do this and I do that. And so keep a note of everything you do. And then I suppose anything then that is left over, try and use that in another dish of, of some sort. Try to preserve or try to... You know, this is probably my business coming out in me. If you like strawberries or you like a rhubarb or you like whatever, try and use it in some way that you're going to be able to get that throughout the year. Pickle it or um, preserve it or have a little pantry store. where Because people are afraid of pickling or people are afraid of trying to preserve. Mm. And it, is, it isn't actually as scary as what you think. And that means it's a good way for you to be able to enjoy those products all year round without actually shipping them in from other parts of yeah. the world. You're still staying local, but you're still enjoying the flavour of local. We need to get back to the basics and we need to look back for many health reasons as well. This is another reason why I don't, I don't like shipping fruits in or anything for my products or for myself. It's because there's so much of it is spread for it to be travelled across the world. Mm. And I think that we need to go back to the way our ancestors did it years ago. When, and there was much less health issues back then. They were frugal. We were never brought up, were we, Tracy? No. You know, to waste. No. Everything not. was used. I read yesterday um, a thing that shocked me yesterday morning that um, the most wasted vegetable in the world, worldwide, is potatoes. And I was horrified because I said, how, how can you waste a potato? How, literally, how can you waste a potato? If you have leftover potatoes, you can make potato cake, you can make potato farrel, chop them up, throw them in with a little chorizo or a mm. little chilies, and make crispy potatoes, make roast potatoes. How can you waste a potato? I think Seriously. I think they lie in people's I think they lie in people's fridges in, in bags. I think people put them in the fridge. Well, you, you see, know what I mean? And this then they is go. another thing. This is one of uh, another way of trying to preserve and getting the most out. You put an apple in with your potatoes and keep them in the dark. The apple keeps your potatoes fresh. Oh, it really? stops them sprouting. There's some of the little baby potatoes you can store loose in the fridge and 
if you do get a potato and you're growing and you have a, a potato with a little eye or whatever, set them to the side. You can plant them. You've already answered the question about leftovers and things. Um, so as a vegetarian, if I came to your house, what would you make me for dinner? Depends what time of year you would be coming. I think I would do you some kind of roasted garden vegetables, beetroot, carrots, leeks, mm. whatever, parsnips, and roast them in the oven. And then they would go have a potato topping, a creamy potato topping, maybe mm. with a little mustard or something on it. And could we yeah. eat that with some of your chutney? Of course. The chutney would probably be in the pie because I, I try to encourage people again. People will say to me, oh, I have so many chutneys or I have so many jams in the fridge. I said, but why aren't you using them? Yeah. Why, why aren't you? You know, a chutney is not just for a cheese board. A chutney is for for. Oh, I have cooking. it with my roast dinner. Yeah. Um, it's for putting in a sandwich. Take a slice of sourdough. You spread the tomato and apple chutney over it. Put a little pastrami or chorizo, or if you're vegetarian, a few little maybe roasted peppers, and then some um, grated mozzarella. Stick it under the grill, and you have a cheats pizza within about four minutes. Nice. Yeah. You know, people, I, it's trying to get people to think, what else can I do yeah. with a chutney or a jam? But that's yeah. why I have a recipe in one of my books, which is a cheese and chutney loaf, because yeah. you get to the other side of Christmas, you've got a load of cheese and there, I have got a load that. of chutney. Yeah. Shove it all in dough. Yeah. If in, you know, if in doubt, stuck it, you know, stick it in your salad as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. Um, but something I do want to do with a pair of you, I think, is uh, we need to come back for ideas of what you do with sourdough. Because mm. I know Cherie's got loads. Mm-hmm. I think that needs to be a whole other episode. <laughs> you know, if you've got slices left over and things, other oh, things I've seen you yeah. make. Nothing goes to waste. Nothing. No. Oh. You see even bread that's starting to go harder. Yeah. Um, stuffing. It makes the most incredible stuffing. Matthew's plain flour is a premium all-purpose flour that's ideal for everyday baking and for all your festive and holiday baking treats. Milled from the finest quality British soft wheats to produce a fine consistency flour that's rich in flavour, it's ideal for making cakes, cookies, muffins and delicious scones. It's also the ideal flour for Christmas cake and in so many sweet and savoury recipes. Look online at cotswoldflour.com for recipe ideas and to order Matthew's Plain Premium Flour. And we'll be back with Tracy a little later as she prepares some delicious food and shares some recipes with us. But first, let's have a chat with Cherie Denim because this is such an exciting time for her. I'm so excited for her as she has just published her first book. It's called The Irish Bakery and Cherie has collected and written all the recipes and the photography is by Andrew Montgomery and it is stunning. It is a beautiful book. So I asked Cherie how she had found the process of writing it. I find it was the hardest thing work-wise I've ever done in my life and also just so rewarding, I have to say. The fact that it was shot with Andrew Montgomery over the length and breadth of the north and south of Ireland. So the whole thing shot in location and it's just, it, it was amazing to do actually. And also I, I got to go home and, and see Mummy a lot. She's in, in the book as well, because what we've done is we've got six artisans and six voices. The voices are all very different. It's um, the people who grew up and their different experiences of what they went through when they grew up. 
So for instance, my mum, a farmer's wife, living in County Tyrone, the troubles were all going on at the time whenever I was growing up and mummy worked as a sister in the local hospital and faced all sorts of things. But she didn't really have the time to cook. So we all, four girls, just basically cooked and baked and did everything. So when daddy had people come into the farm to do like the hay or the silage or whatever, we always made sure that they had food that, and we did it. I mean, from no age, we were cooking. From no age. So the book is has got people's stories in it. Yeah. It's got fabulous photos, but it's all interlaced with your recipes. Yeah. I mean, so it's, it's a huge book. It is a huge book. You very kindly gave me your sourdough recipe because without that, I don't think our house would function quite as, as calmly <laughs> um, because I've got three boys who like to eat. Um, and then... There were two other recipes that aren't my recipes. They were Andrew's sister-in-law's porridge bread and Dulce and sun-dried tomato bread. And then the other recipes are mine. Now, the recipes that have been... I, I saw my granny's bake or my great-aunt's bake. Um, my auntie Evelyn, who did so much with us. She lived up in the farmhouse and she introduced us to so many things. I remember whenever I was about seven, she brought lychees home. And she brought... Got an ugly fruit and... You know, for our local harvest, she would find the most incredible things and a lovely grocer, green grocer at home, Mr. Clark. Mr. Clark would find all these amazing things like we had never seen before. So an aubergine. Now, whenever I was six or seven, Tracy, did you ever know of an aubergine? I actually don't think I saw an aubergine till I was about 20. I, <laughs> Tracy, I didn't know what an avocado was until I came over to England. To That's the truth. Yeah. I'd never seen one before. Yeah. You know, because it was literally carrots and parsnips and potatoes, yeah. like, and, and turnip, which is suede. But, um, so so then a lot of the recipes are handed down, but uh, not, not only handed down, but things that I saw them make. So I thought of recipes myself. And then things that whenever I brought Andy, my husband, and my three boys back to Ireland, back home, places that we brought them, you know, like we harbours where the ship, the boats came in and we got mackerel and then we tasted them inside of, you know, inside this lovely wee cafe at the side of the harbour and then going to places like Bush Mills and Port Stewart and up to the Antrim coast, mm -hmm. going down to County Cork and just, I mean, the food has got to be amazing. Yeah, it is. And, so it's a, a, it's a love area. affair, really. Yeah, this yeah. it is a love affair. This is yeah. what I was saying to Cherie. Whenever I went to university, I shared a house with seven girls. But we were all from homes that would have been frugal, where you would have had a good homely meal at the end of every day. So after the first months, we couldn't cope with university, with food, and we mm. were going... What is going on? So we actually set up a rota mm -hmm. where we went every Monday or every Sunday to the local store. We got all our whole week's groceries and we had a rota where two people cooked, two people cleaned at every day, depending on your timetable of university. And we had our cabbage and bacon and potatoes or we had every evening we had a set meal time. That's and brilliant. we all said, now we were sitting, we'd no, we'd no dining room table. Yeah. in the place so we were sitting with our plates on our knees but we had our meat and veg and potatoes mm. at university every except the wednesday because that was whenever you got off half day and you got to the pub <laughs> <laughs> and that's very important and that was very good very important <laughs> but do you think as i'm listening to the pair of you and you talk about the um 
maybe the the limited range of ingredients mm. that you had then growing up do you think that's why you're so creative as cooks yes, now i do and i mean I, the things you can do a million things with a potato yeah. and, and spices i mean the only time spices came out were at christmas for the yeah, christmas pudding yeah. or the christmas cake and they're only certain spices the as well absolutely yes. your ground cloves your ground ginger your ground cinnamon and mm. Like, this is why Auntie Evelyn was amazing. She was also, Auntie Evelyn was a very Christian woman. And a lot of what she would do food-wise and her trips away were biblical. So she would have gone to the Holy Land. She brought dates back. She brought certain nuts back. She would, all the spices, like for the Easter biscuits, you know, spices were used a lot around Easter as well. You know, everything was used as well. Nothing, as we said before, was ever thrown out. And it's like Stanley um, Tucci said that amazing line. Thrift is not a way of stinginess. Thrift is a cure for overconsumption. Oh, yeah. fabulous. And I just thought that was brilliant because <laughs> you know what? You can People can never say you're so tight to throw everything out. You say, no, it's a cure for overconsumption. <laughs> <laughs> so my book has just from generations and of now trying to teach my boys the importance of good food and also it's not about it can't be about organic this organic that do you know what it has to be about what people can afford yeah and what's accessible and what is accessible yeah. so but you know everyone can get good vegetables and you don't have to eat meat every night of the week no you just eat meat every so often and daddy Daddy had a cow slaughtered every sort of maybe a year or two years, but there were always pigs slaughtered. So we would sit up until maybe three o'clock in the morning and bag up pork and it would be really good because Daddy always, first thing he had, went up in the morning, fed the pigs, but he also scratched every single one because the pigs like to be scratched. And, and he, they used to show them, he, he used to show us pigs as well. Do you know, we could keep on talking, but we need to get onto the cooking. Yes. So I'm going to bring us to a stop. But what I will say is for everybody listening, please do check out the links that are going to be attached to everything we post. But you need to find Tracy at the Lush Larder on Instagram and everywhere else. And Cherie Denham Cooks. We're yeah. going to make sure that you can find this. Cherie's book, The Irish Bakery. Listen to you saying my book, my book. I'm so happy for you. Montgomery Press. Oh, so we will make sure that you've got all of this information Thank and um, we're going to move over to the cooking area. Otherwise, we'll just keep talking for yeah. hours because listening to you hungrier. guys. Yeah, <laughs> listening to you guys is just amazing. Just we love it. So we will move on. Thank you. Brilliant. Maize Bite from Matthew's Cotswold Flour is a speciality pastry flour blend with maize flour to give a crisp golden coloured pastry. It's particularly suitable for sweet products and strikes the perfect balance between flakiness and tenderness. Maize Bite is the ideal pastry flour for making mince pies, pie crusts, tarts, biscuits and cookies of all kinds. It produces beautifully crisp and tasty pastry and is perfect for party food mini tarts, quiches and sausage rolls. There's a delicious and easy to make shortbread recipe using just three ingredients, maize bite, caster sugar and butter at cotswoldflour.com where you can also order maize bite from Matthew's Cotswold Flour. So lots to come from Cherie and Tracy, so we'd better get cooking. And first up, it's Cherie. These are going to be my whiskied caramelized oranges. So we're going to make a caramel 
and we're going to spice it as well with some lovely Christmas spices and then I'm going to add the whiskey into the caramel to give it a lovely rich flavour. Oh wow, okay. So where are you going to begin? So we've got some granulated sugar in a pan. Always good to use granulated sugar in a caramel because it melts down quicker. And then we're going to add 150 mils of water into this granulated sugar and then that's going to go over onto the alga to start to dissolve. So when you make a caramel, it's always best that you swirl the pan rather than put a spoon in because sometimes if you put a spoon in, the heat can all go around the spoon and you can get big globules of undissolved sugar and it's very difficult to get rid of those in your caramel. So just let it gently melt away and just swirl your pan every so often. Can I, as a complete novice, I've never made a caramel before in my life. Uh -huh. I've obviously seen these things go on on the Bake Off and people have all sorts of issues with them. You said it's better to use granulated sugar, mm -hmm. which to me is more granular than caster sugar. So my temptation would think that caster sugar would dissolve faster than granulated, but it doesn't work that way? It's, it just seems to be that whenever the bigger crystals, they break down faster and they go clearer as well almost. So they're all, it's already starting to break down now, so it's already starting to go. So make oh, sure... Oh, it's getting cloudy. And then this will start to come clear once the caramel starts to go. So the, it will probably take a wee while for that to happen. So I'm going to leave that there for a minute. And then what I'm going to do is start to segment the oranges. Now, what I tend to do is take the top and the bottom off because then you've got something stable to work with. Yeah, you've got a flat surface that you can lean on. Exactly okay. right. And then I use a serrated knife. So where you've got the inside of the pith of the orange, start from there and move down around the shape of the orange because that way you're not taking loads of the fruit away. So you're just taking that pith. Then put your knife Again, oh, you're doing it right flat against it, aren't you? Yeah, so, yeah. along the line of, of the pith. And just take it, keep going round. You've done this many times. So just smoothly taking off the rind and the pith. And leaving the shape of the orange. And taking hardly any of the flesh. Now, when you first of all start, you might end up with something that looks like a hexagon. But you know what? It still tastes yeah, the same. Yeah, well, I, I recall <laughs> that I might have done that kind of thing myself in the past. So that's absolutely grand. And then... You just want to just take those wee bits of pith away, anything that's there. Now, if you wanted to at this point, you could, if you had clementines, for instance, you could just keep the clementines whole and put them in a bigger jar. Or you could slice the oranges if you wanted to. But what I'm going to do is segment them. So you're going to cut them into the segments rather than break it into the natural segments. So I'm just going to go down each side of, of the, the membrane. So all oh, you've wow. got is then the lovely fruit the flesh and just peel it off so you go down the side of the membrane and just use your knife like a bit of a lever and just push it away the whole way around and then what you want to do at the end is just check to make sure there aren't any wee bits of membrane and there do you know what if there are it doesn't really matter it's it's just the fact that when there aren't it's just so much nicer to eat because they're not chewy and then squeeze all that juice and I've got a, my oranges in a sieve here, okay? Because what I'm going to do is I'm going to put the oranges into a jar that I've got here. So we've got a small kilner jar. A jam funnel over the top. So I'm just going to put all of those wee bits of oranges in there. 
and then I'm going to keep this juice because I'm going to put this juice into the caramel. So we've got our caramel nicely bubbling down but it needs to go really quite dark so with a caramel sometimes they're really too sweet so to get rid of that sweetness you need to take it to the point where it's almost smoking so you get uh, like a, a really cinder toffee sort of flavor that must take some real confidence to do that because you you're not scared when you first do it there must be a fear of taking it too far yes there probably would be and that's why it's good to swirl because then that makes the color all even so you will go from clear to slightly yellowy golden to bit darker amber and then you would it would go even slightly darker so almost to the color of like a, a cider vinegar type thing quite dark wow and then we'll take it off the heat and we'll go through to the next bit okay so whilst whilst you're just doing that tracy what is it that you're starting to do now i'm going to do a spiced pear and cider chutney which is a very popular flavor at christmas time it uses our local bramley apple from county armagh and conference pears are the best for it because otherwise they go kind of watery and mushy and they're a nice sweet pear. Tell me about the huge apples then, these Bramley apples. These are our local County Armagh Bramley apples and they have a certified um, protective geographical status um, because um, you can only find this particular apple in the county of Armagh in Northern Ireland. Outside of that, you will get a, an apple like this that you can um, cook with, but they're called cookers. The Bramley okay. is actually County Armagh. And they're huge. They're and huge. I, I didn't realise yeah. that These they are were like a protected ones. species. Yeah. <laughs> and they smell divine. And they smell, they smell, smell so good. They smell so good. Mm. Yeah, and I use the Bramley apple in a lot of my um, chutneys because they're local to me, because they're available year-round, and because I'm supporting our local growers, our local farmers, and um, because they're such a fabulous product to work with. They're, they're absolutely incredible. And, and obviously, I mean, I love your chutneys, as I will probably bore people with keep saying, and one of my favorite being the Alma apple one. So yeah. I didn't realize that it was something that was so special, and yeah. it, you know. So it's what's the beginning point of your chutney then? The beginning point is always the, the onion, is to soften the, the onion. Uh, because it's not nice to eat a chutney with like a crunchy onion. Yeah. I like to have my chutneys with whole pieces that people can actually define, okay, there's a pear and there's an apple and there's, yeah. but it's not nice to have like a raw onion. So what I do is I soften the onion in our local, again, local um, apple cider vinegar. And it's actually a long meadow cider with mother. Um, they make it and the products that I get, um, I usually source within about 15 to 20 mile radius of me. Right. And I work within season with whatever's available by our local growers or what I can grow myself. There's some of the stuff I grow myself as well. Beetroot, rhubarb, strawberries, tomatoes, things like that. You're using white onions. Is that a particular choice? I like the white onion. Um, I find that the red onion is much sweeter and it can distort the taste of the chutney. So I use the, the white or brown onion. I find that these, as well as the apple, they complement each other and the spices, they, they absorb the spices. Um, okay. I like to try and use fruits and vegetables that work together and don't try to overpower each other. So um, I find that the, the white onion is a good one. That makes sense. How are we doing? You seem to be bubbling. So I'm bubbling. Um, what tends to happen as well is when you make the caramel, you can hear 
actually hear it. Do you know what I mean? So the bubbles start to get bigger and they start to break slower and slower. So we've, I think we've got another wee bit to go yet. Always when you're working with caramel or something really hot in the pan, cover your hand yeah. and then hold on to the handle. In case it spits. In case it spits out, yeah. absolutely. So I'm just swirling and swirling. Look. Oh, okay, so I you've have, suffered for that one. I have my jam marks. Scars. My wounds, my war wounds. See, just like I've never made caramel, I've never made chutney. So these things are like an art form to me. And I know you make them so much and so such huge batches and i actually make it in uh, small batches so I use to me it seems big batches yeah well are you i don't usually make i have huge pots but the reason for my huge pots which were actually handed down to me by my aunt but i only ever make about 25 to 30 jars in one pot so i could have maybe four pots going on at one time to try but i find that if you make any larger in a pot then you're getting mush because by okay. the time I slow cook it a chutney is very important it's very different to jam because jam is very you bring it to 105 degrees you need it on a roll and boil you need to get it there quickly and you need to you know this yourself Shuri yeah. and you need to try and keep it at that but a chutney you bring it you slow cook it so I take it if you left it in that big huge pot for too long, it's going to go mushy at the bottom? It will go mushy at the bottom okay. and if you stir it too often, if you have it on a high heat and you're stirring it too often, then you're mushing everything in together So you are, and you're not getting a nice chutney that you can actually distinguish the flavour because everything has fused together. This is why I love using this cider vinegar by Longmeadow Cider. It's because I find that their apple cider vinegar actually complements the flavour. I've met so many people to say that they don't like chutney. And my first question is, is why do you not like chutney? Is it the vinegar taste? And mm. they say yes. And then I'd say, well, I challenge you to try this chutney and tell me, can you taste vinegar at all? Well, you've converted me. I've never, never been a chutney eater before I had yours. Yeah? And for me, it was very much about the sugar because I don't want all that sugar. No. But I like the fact that your sugar content is lower. Yeah. You know, it's not the first thing on the ingredients no. list. David and I have had many meals, which has just been uh, some sourdough, surprise, surprise, cheese, and uh, your chutney. Well, the other and thing we, is I think well. we've managed whole jars yeah. between us. That, that's what somebody said to me, I should sign my chutneys with a spoon. Yeah, well, yeah. That, that's, that's <laughs> my, but I have to tell you, I recently took a trip to Norfolk and uh, we visited Sandringham. We went into the, I always look in the food, the uh, farm shops, because I just want to see what's going on. I thought, okay, let's try some of their chutney and see, and not a patch on yours. Mm. And I bought three different chutneys from that farm shop. Yours are better. Mine are better. Yours oh. are much better. Thank the king you. can keep his chutney. I'm going to stick with Tracy's. <laughs> yours has gone the to the royal household, yeah. hasn't it? The king has my chutney. Yes, <laughs> yes because you yeah, met yeah, yeah. him recently. Well, I have oh, yeah, we are in, you know, we're in the company of virtual royalty because Tracy has met the king well, and met Princess Anne. And Princess Anne and Queen Camilla. Because they came to markets that you were at. Yeah, um, they were at their first royal visit as a monarchy. came to Armagh, to my local city and I was uh, one of six or seven artisans, local artisans, who was asked to come along to showcase what our city and our county could produce and the, the fine foods and I That's was amazing. very very chuffed to have been asked to because I was standing shoulder to shoulder 
with other companies who are much, much bigger than me and who I admire you know, so much. And actually, I have some other stuff here, um, Burn Balsamics, um, to, to their lovely balsamic vinegars, Arma Cider Vinegar. I'm standing with them, and to me, I admire them, and I admire their products so much. So to be standing beside them was an incredible... Um, and I seem to recall you were just told where to be and wear some lipstick. <laughs> You weren't I was, told I, what I, was going on. No, I wasn't told. I didn't know what was going on. I was told it's big. Were your lippy? And I went, what's going on? So I actually posted on my story that morning. Okay, I don't know where I'm go what I'm doing today, but I've been told to wear my lippy. The lippy's on and off I go. <laughs> and, so. you know, and did the king, you know, congratulate you on your shade of lipstick? <laughs> well, the reporters were asking me what shade it was. <laughs> So, so you gave him some chutney to take away? They, yeah, they, they um, were presented with a hamper, oh, presented so to the King Queen. So um, my jams and chutneys went into it. And the same with Princess Anne. She was presented with it. They were incredibly interested with the dandelion jelly, which I have to go over the figs, the roasted figs for, that I'm going to be making for you for the cheese board. That's and nice. they liked the idea, because there's so much into foraging and that, they liked the idea of the foraging. So maybe he might have taken it back and said, we need to up our game, guys, at Sandringham. <laughs> we need to get our chutney as good as this lady's. <laughs> oh, I'm going to have a smell. So always when you smell something in the kitchen, waft it towards you rather than put your head over it. So can you smell? It's like, it does smell like car caramel, but it's slightly cindery. It's, it's starting to get can nice and dark it? now. Yeah. It's not, so it's see not overtly sweet. No. Oh. So... So for instance, oh, look at the it smells gorgeous. So it's really that really lovely amber colour. We're going to take it a bit darker. So we just want to... So all Cherie is doing is shaking and moving this around. Yeah, and the noise is yeah. because it's on a hot plate of um, an agar. But you could do this on a hob as well, couldn't you? Absolutely. So we're going to take it off the heat now. And do you know what? I'm just going to say to you, Elaine, just step back a wee bit, please. Because I'm going to just cover my hand. I'm putting the water in now to arrest it. So it'll spit like crazy. It's all bubbling and, and it puffed all, up. Yeah, absolutely. It's almost like blistering skin. And mm. it's taken on a darker colour. And like, It's the same colour as the whiskey. Absolutely. And now the whiskey's going in. Oh, wow. And then into that as well is going half a cinnamon stick, a lovely star anise, two cloves. And then I'm just going to break down three wow. cardamom pods. So that the seeds come out of that. Now, what you'll notice when you make a caramel is the fact that even though you put in all that liquid in on top of caramel, there's still going to be hard bits of caramel in there, right? So now you can put your spoon in there, put it back over the heat and just nice and gently But that's what I was it. assuming, because you're putting the cold into the hot, has yep. it not then hardened? It does harden, absolutely. And then you just put it back over your heat again and gently now with a spoon... You can mix it round and just let it bubble away. That's grand. It's absolutely And that's just fine. a wooden spoon, is it? Yes. Oh, yeah, because you can see it. So, so you can see that there's the hard bits like in there. It's like toffee in the bottom. Exactly. So don't ever think that that's your caramel in a bad way. It's absolutely grand. See, I would think that had seized if it was me. Yeah, well, so, yeah. so look, it looks like a hard piece. And then you just leave it in there over the heat and it just melts down. It looks down. like boiled sweets. Yes. Exactly, and then once that caramel has completely melted down. Caramel is a very hard thing to make. Right. Yeah, very I hard to imagine. make right. I mean, Cherie's just doing it yeah. uh, with 
no care in the world, but to me, I, from everything I've ever seen, I would say it's a hard thing to do. It is. Yeah, it's just taking it to that stage. It's knowing the stage to take it to before you arrest it with the cold liquid. It's and as soon as you arrest it, yeah. it's grand. But these are something that we always had at Christmas when we went up to my Auntie Evelyn's up at the farmhouse. She would always have spiced caramelised oranges and we'd have them with meringues and cream. You're very, uh, po very posh. Do you think? Yeah, that was very posh back then. <laughs> no, but we, all, but we also had Mummy's Christmas pudding and stuff. But I know, I know, but they, 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 were, they were Irish um, essentials. Staples, uh, yeah. staples mm, of Christmas. Completely. Christmas cake, Christmas um, pudding. Yes. Yeah, and they started, in, they started in August and October. Right, right as far back as August, you would have started steeping your fruits in, in your, Again, your alcohol. Again, these are things I've never made. So. Yeah, <gasps> when would you have done... Oh. Um, I, I tell you a very funny story about um, making puddings whenever I moved to my house and my, my husband came back and he had bought a little kid goats for my children. Now they were only tiny goats but we only had them a couple of months and somebody dumped a huge billy goat. Oh the great big one. A huge big stinking billy goat yes. with big horns that had never been, they, they were yeah. like four foot horns. And I was making my Christmas puddings this day and I had them on steaming. And my neighbours came up to try and help us get the, this huge billy goat out of our ground. So we were running in the rally boots and every so often I had the timer on my watch. And I kept saying, I have to run and check my steam puddings. And I was running to check my steam puddings and then I was coming back out with my rally boots on and running around trying to get the goat out of the garden. <laughs> so your husband bought your children kid goats. Kid this goats. something that you this was had not agreed? A, no. Oh. <laughs> they came up, them. no. No, I did, had not agreed it, no. See, that's multitasking. You see that, Tracy, yeah. how you can multitask. I, I how many women can say, I was cooking, <laughs> I was steaming my Christmas pudding and running after a belly goat. Does not many can say it? No. <laughs> Maybe not many that would want to do it. Yeah, <laughs> is, yeah I know. So you've, um, you're now moving on to peeling your apples over yes. there, Tracy. I'm going to peel my apples. I'm okay. going to get the onions into the pot with its um, apple cider vinegar. Um, a couple of cinnamon sticks and about half a dozen starnies. So you're actually going to cook the onions in the vinegar? Yes. Right, okay, you're not just steeping them in nope. there, you're actually going to cook I them I will in soften them in it. I mean, that's such a huge apple, it looks so much easier to peel. What I do usually is, I do a very similar thing to Cherie, if the base isn't level. Yeah. What I do Flatten is I off. cut the two ends off, because it leaves you with the flat base. And I just, because of the size of my hand, the size of the apple, I can tend to keep it on the board. That's delicious. Do you want to taste it or not? Is it not a bit hot? No, it's grand. Oh. Now it's sweet. Oh, it is. Oh, smell it. Smells like Christmas. That, that's, that's already got the whiskey in it. Yeah, so that's already got the whiskey in it because you want the whiskey to be sort of oh. cooked down a wee bit so that it's not too harsh. Now for me, as people know famously, I am a non-drinker and I don't like the flavour of alcohol mm. as an ingredient, mm -hmm. even in chocolates or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't, but that, I've got the warmth of the whiskey mm. without the sharp hit of it. So actually the flavour of that is lovely. I could eat that. I could eat that. Yeah. So I, Very, I, very easy. So it's gorgeous. I think what the thing is, the spices as well mm. really work with the whiskey. And I think the whiskey, you're, you're right, it adds a warming and a wee touch of flavour, but not that harshness. Yeah. I don't like alcohol in food really either, but that, so what we're going to do now is leave that to cool down. We're going to add the juice from the oranges, put that in there as well. So that can go in cold into it now and it's not going to cause a problem. 
yeah that can go in cold now and then once that has cooled down a wee bit in fact what i might do is just put it into this bowl because so you the wouldn't pan's pour it over hot. the oranges uh, you wouldn't pour it over them whilst it's hot no i like to let that cool down completely and then what i'm going to do is take out the husks of the cardamom pods uh -huh. so the seeds stay in there and they'll go in with the oranges i'll take out the cinnamon stick as well and the cloves when this is all cold okay because they they'll have done their job and i don't like the caramelized oranges tasting too they'll taste too medicinal almost then yeah but i do leave the star anise in because that just adds a wee bit of warmth i really like that and so it's pretty yes or when when that cools down i will then add i'll use a sieve probably and put that in on top of my oranges and um, always make sure well i make sure that i sterilize the jars before i put them before i put the oranges in how do you sterilize your jars so put them through a dishwasher yep or in hot soapy water make sure you rinse all the soap off and then i put them into a warming oven or the bottom of the aga for about maybe half an hour something like that and then i just leave them on top of the surface until i'm ready to use them so the jar is probably cool by that point yep. because if i put cold oranges straight into a hot yes, jar it would smash okay. or crack yeah so it's best i just know that it's sterilized and in it goes Matthew's Cotswold Regenerative All-Purpose Flour is the first of its kind in the UK and designed for everyday baking. It's milled from a blend of the highest quality regeneratively farmed wheats to produce a fine consistency, rich in flavour and with protein levels of between 10.5 and 10.7%. Regenerative All-Purpose White Flour can be used for making breads and brioche, pastry, cakes, shortbreads, sauces and a variety of fantastic savoury or sweet baked goods. Try the on-pack recipe for hummingbird cake or visit cotswoldflour.com for more recipe ideas. Matthew's Cotswold Regenerative All-Purpose Flour is available now at branches of Tesco. I'm going to fill a bowl of water and put a little salt into it to put my apples into it to stop them browning. Oh, salt, not lemon juice. No, I can put salt or lemon juice in. My I, granny always uses salt. I don't, I don't have a, a lemon with me, so yeah. So I never realised you could do it with salt. You can, yeah. And actually, I um, I had a little a tip like this on my um, Instagram, and if you put them in with salt, and then you take them out and you dry them on a little piece of paper or whatever, they can be packed into lunch boxes or anything, and it stops sliced apples going brown. Oh, wow. And you don't get the salt through it? You don't get any salt at all. Oh, gosh. Top tips, just a plenty going <laughs> on at the moment. It's just, it leaves, I put them in like this. So, then, okay, so we're still, we've got some quite big chunks of apples just going into the yeah, water with until, a bit of salt. Until I prepare the pears, yeah. because what I do, believe it or not, even though a pear is a softer fruit, I cook it first because it, takes longer for that to actually soften down because I use very unripe um, oh, hard right. fruits okay. because you're getting the best flavour okay. out of them because then they cook off in the, the pot and they, they don't go to mush. So um, I find that if I use good firm pears, but believe it or not, it takes a long time for a pear to soften as you're actually cooking it. Have you found that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Whereas apples can go really quickly. Yeah. The brownie apple, if I put that in at the same time, the brownie apple and the pears, the pears would still be high and the brownie apple would be mush. Yeah, oh, okay. 
So well, you're peeling the pears again? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And I just take a very fine peel off because I try not to waste much. And I just slice the stalk off the top and I cut through the pears and I use the whole pear. The okay. pips, everything go into the, the chutney. Do you do anything in particular with your peelings? Yes, I have compost bins for my own garden plot and also there are pigs at my daughter's local horse riding that loves some of the, the fruit peelings. Okay. Do you ever use them to make up a cider vinegar yourself? I sometimes do with the apples, yeah. with the peels of the, the Bramley apple. I do that because some of my recipes call for like apple juice. Yeah. So I make the apple juice from my apple cores and my apple peels. Yeah. And also with my lemons, because I need the lemons to make jam, mm-hmm. to try and get the jam to, to set, because I don't use any pectin or I don't add anything artificial into the jam, so I use all fruits. So I use a lemon, the juice of a lemon, to get it to set. And with those lemon peels, then I finely slice them Well, I put them into water and um, I soften them overnight and then I finally slice them and I use the discarded lemon peel along with the Bramley apple to use or make a lemon and apple jam that is almost like a marmalade. Because I'm asked for marmalade but I won't use marmalade because I have to ship citrus fruits in. So I use the discarded lemon peel then to, to make another jam so there's no waste. You can't grow citrus fruits therefore in there? You probably can but I don't know a... a an Irish lemon grower, do you, Sheree? No, no. I don't think even in a polytunnel <laughs> you'd have much hope. I, I mean, tell like you, the Irish Irish like, I'm about 1,500 uh, feet about s- above sea level. Okay. So whenever there's snow coming, I'm one of the first to get snow and get snowed in. So I, I certainly can't grow lemons. Fair it's probably a stupid question, but I thought... It's I'd not. Ask. No, it's <laughs> not. Do you know what? Actually, my auntie has got a lemon tree in her kitchen. Yeah. She was away on holiday, the Amalfi Coast, and I think she really enjoyed a lemon. And she took a pip home, or, and, and she, she thought that she'd grow... The, and she actually has. And there's a proper... She's got a proper big yeah. lemon tree in her kitchen, and it's gorgeous because... It's right in front of a stained glass window that she's got, and it's beautiful. It's I have really a, I have a sister-in-law who's a lemon tree. I have a friend on Instagram, and he has an orange tree um, in his thing. But I was thinking of getting a lemon tree to have in my kitchen because it is so warm with yeah, the agar. Yeah, probably work. And oh, I was probably thinking would. it would work. Yes. Yeah. Oh, uh, cool. Yeah. Right. What are we doing with the oranges now, Cherie? So my caramel sauce is nicely cooled down. So what I'm going to do is just pour the liquid through a sieve and down through the jam funnel and get all those lovely flavours in there. Then what I'm going to do is keep my star anise back and I'm going to put my little cardamom seeds back in, give it a bit of a a shake around and put it into the fridge. Bring your merrily on high. (laughs) (laughs) And this will last for a couple of months, easily, easily, easily. What's going on with your pot? Tracy, I just, just, what I did was, because I don't have a lid for this particular pot and I don't want the cider vinegar to evaporate, I have put the tea towel over it okay. um, to allow the, the, the onions to soften, but for the cider vinegar, because I need the cider vinegar there to still preserve the apples and the, the pears whenever I add them in. Okay. So cool. I, I don't want it to evaporate. 
So here's one you made earlier. Yes, this one was made yesterday. So it still will be, obviously as it goes on, the flavor gets nicer and nicer. So there you go, Elaine, have a, have a try with some orange as well, see? How far ahead of Christmas then would you make these? How far would, ahead? Would, would make you make them. it a month ahead, or would you for it to the the flavors to infuse? Or I would, uh, yeah, I would do a month. I would a do month? them a couple of weeks into November. Lovely. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Oh, it's lovely. But look at these ones. So these are what, what's that? These are my sozzled prunes. Oh. So my granny always had stewed prunes in the house. You know, tins of stewed prunes for porridge and that for porridge with creamed rice, yeah. tins of creamed rice. Rice pudding. Yes, absolutely. Uh, all those sorts of things. So I just wanted to make one that wasn't from a tin. So I got lots of prunes. You can have them pitted or not, doesn't matter. And you make, make a mixture of port and whiskey and spices and orange juice. And you take the round off or the zest off the orange, slice it really finely and just put that into the liquid as well. And, and, and maybe even some Earl Grey tea bags, oh, a couple wow. of Earl Grey tea bags, and just really gently cook that through. And then the orange peel, you can, the wee julienne stripes, you can even eat those. And it just puts this lovely flavor through the sauce. So it's very much, um, you can have it with ice cream, you could have it with yogurt, you could have it in the morning with, you know, like the banana bread that- Granola. Made granola. What, even even with all of the alcohol in it. Hi, Shirley. <laughs> <laughs> not sure, just why on could you not? Day. No, prunes. Can I try a bit then? Prunes just aren't for Christmas, you know. You're warding <laughs> off a cold. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. No, they're they're they're, they're it's quite it's quite rich because obviously these have gone in. I'm the prunes will bit. take as much liquid as you give them, mm -hmm. so it soaks up and up and up. But this, so I've got strands here of peel. Yeah, so that's the orange. Yeah. Okay. Right here we go. Mmm. Mmm. Oh, see, I'm a big porridge fan. I eat porridge every day of my life. Oh, yeah. Sometimes, of course you twice do. a day. I love and porridge. Something too. like that stirred into it. I've never been the biggest <laughs> fan of peel. I think because I didn't do a lot of growing up in this country. Yes, of course. I didn't. I didn't really. I never got into Christmas pudding or Christmas cake yes. or anything like that. And the whole peel thing, I never really liked. But that's nice. I think because it's cooked in the liquid. So it takes away the harshness. The sharpness yeah. of it. Yes, because it's got that awful lot yeah. aftertaste if they're not cooked through properly. These are particularly sozzled. Yes. How would you make them unsozzled? You could do them with just orange juice or something? Orange juice and apple juice. You could put, if you wanted to, cranberry juice in there as well. So whilst Tracy's uh, chopping, what are you doing next then, Madam Shree? I'm going to make an Irish coffee. Oh, okay. again. While you're using your hot ring, I'm going to put the onions on in the kilner pot on the low ring with the cider yes. vinegar. Yes, perfect. So I'll be, I'm just going to heat up this kettle so I'll be away from that nine a wee minute, Tracy. So this is the kind of huge size pot you would use for making That's chutney. my small pot. That's a small pot? That's a small pot. I have pots that are about six times that size. I could wash my dog in that. <laughs> so we've got a pan on the hot plate. On the, on the simmering plate. On the simmering low, plate. Yeah. Because so this would be like a low heat if it yeah. was on something, yeah. yeah? Yeah. And you've just got the onions and the cider vinegar. And I'm going to put star anise and cinnamon. Okay. Into and this. Cherie's got a kettle boiling. Yep. So my kettle's going to come off the boil there. I have got a cafetiere here with um, freshly ground coffee in it. And I'm just going to fill that right up and then 
leave that for a few minutes to infuse before I plunge it. Okay. And then I've got my two wine glasses and I'm going to put a teaspoon and a wee bit into each glass. And I use Demerara, my Irish coffee, because my daddy loved Demerara sugar. Mm -hmm. He just had a real thing about it. He loved it in banana bread. He loved it on his cereal, everything. So, of course, you could use a soft light brown sugar. And I always use brown sugar in coffee because I just think it gives you that extra wee bit of nice... Luxury. Nice, yeah, luxury and flavour. <laughs> You're right, Tracy. Okay. okay. In this wee jug here, I've got some double cream. Are you going to do that trick where you've got Off like a dark, a, a dark brown and then you've got that white across the top? Yes. yes. Oh, wow. Yes, yes, yes. David, I hope you're going to be ready to try this. You're, you're being volunteered for this one. So the, your cream, do you, do you have your cream just kind of, just slightly thicker than pouring consistency, really? Yes. Yes. Can you just see, it just gently holds its weight before it sinks down. Got some gorgeous Sexton <laughs> Irish whiskey here from up around the North Antrim coast. So I'm just going to put a wee shot of whiskey here into my glass. Oh, I see you don't mix it. The, it goes in, so you've got the sugar and then the whiskey, and then yes. you're going to put the coffee. It's, do you know why? It's just me. That's just how I do it because I, when I have a coffee, I always put my, my milk in first of all and then add my coffee. So I think that's just, just how I do I it do this it. way as well. I do put you? The, the sugar in the whiskey and then add the coffee. Make sure that this, the sugar's dissolved well and then pour the cream over the back of a spoon. Get you two. poured the coffee into yes, the glasses to. over the top of the whiskey and the sugar and you've stirred it up. Yes, and now... Now the magic happens. Now um, just with... Uh, so you just, even though it's hot, you're pouring the cream onto over, the back of a over spoon. Over the back of a spoon. So it's quite thick and it's just going to... Ooh, look at that. Wow. Yeah. So it's just like a Guinness. Ha That's half what it Guinness. Looks no, like. I drink Guinness. Tracy, you haven't left a down there. <laughs> I drink Guinness. Wow. I love Guinness. And then we'll give this one to David to see what he thinks. Great. Oh, brilliant. This does look like Guinness. Whoa, doesn't it? That's nice even, isn't it? Yeah. Probably can't hear me because I'm off mic. I know, I know not. But this is superb, Cherie. This is wonderful. Oh, oh I'm glad you like it, David. <laughs> Oh. I, have to, I have to tell all our listeners, again, I'm off mic, so you can't hear, I have to, here comes the mic, so oh. we're recording this on the 25th of October, 2023, and it feels like Christmas Day already. <laughs> and it looks uh, like it with a cream all around your face. <laughs> I'm just going to use this again for my And there is so much more to come when we return to Cherie's Kitchen. We've got stuffed prunes and dates, two kinds of baked cheese, sourdough, meringues, and so much more. And don't forget that all the recipes are available on our website at foodbodpod.com. And there's also video of all the preparation, cooking, baking, and everything else at our YouTube channel at foodbodpod. Yes, you'll see the fun that we had in the kitchen. So I hope you enjoy it. And we look forward so much to when we return for part two of our lush Irish Christmas. But that's it for this episode with our thanks to Matthew's Cotswold Flower. So it's goodbye from me, Elaine Boddy. And from me, David Treadway. See you next time for more cheer and chutney. Cheer.